Hi, you're listening to Queensland Theatre's Quality Time podcast. This week, our artistic director, Lee Lewis, is joined by our technical coordinator, Lachlan Cross. Lachlan began his theatre career in the mid-2000s as a lighting technician before taking a career change to work as an engineer. He has since returned to the theatre where he now works with our production manager and creative teams to organise the technical requirements of our shows. Enjoy! My name's Lee Lewis and I'm the Artistic Director here at Queensland Theatre and you are joining me for a bit of quality time as we take the chance that this shutdown is to look inside the theatre and have a talk to some of the people who make up the institution you know as Queensland Theatre. With me today is Lachlan Cross and Hello. Lachlan uh, works in the inner in the innards of the company is gonna, how I'm going to describe it. Would that be fair as a, a, a slightly yeah. evocative description of what you do? Yes, I'm very much uh, yeah, within the, the inner workings of, of the company. Um, so I work within the production department. So department-wise, I'm in production, uh, occasionally spanning over to a bit of operation stuff as well. Uh, and So what does that mean? Well, my role within production is as a technical coordinator and the role exists uh, in a number of different companies. It's not just a Queensland theatre uh, role, um, although every company's got a slightly different take or a different spin as to what that role entails. So for me, on a, uh, a day-to-day basis, I'm usually working on the preparation for um, upcoming shows, and uh, that's often a couple of months in advance of uh, when we've got the first rehearsal. So we'll go through... Um, stages of doing preliminary design presentations, design presentations. And that's when the designer comes in that's with right. their model box and their yep. drawings and says, this is how we've all decided this, we, yep. we want to do the play. And then it's over to you guys to figure out how to make that a reality. Exactly, exactly. So we, uh, we strive to uh, make the, uh, the, the dream and the design uh, become a reality. Within... Um, a budget. Within a budget and within the time constraints of working within theatre. And within the known technologies. Exactly, yeah. yes. So from the very early stages, we try and identify anything that might be uh, challenging uh, or might have a long lead time or something that's got to come from overseas or need some research and development because sometimes we've got to, it doesn't exist and we either need to find the people who can build it or make it or make it happen or we have to do it ourselves. Which is kind so, of fun. <laughs> which is definitely fun. There's, and if you've got enough time, it's fun. If you don't have enough time, then it is just scary sometimes. It's, yes, it's very unfun if it's, <laughs> if it's uh, coming in later down, down the track. Uh, so that's, that's the very early days of um, uh, what my role entails. And then as we get closer to uh, the start of rehearsals, uh, then we become a bit more involved. Uh, so a technical coordinator will attend the um, production meetings uh, start liaising with all the designers and, um, and then start to uh, bring all those pieces together. Uh, so that'll be lighting, sound and projection predominantly. 
And in bringing all of those designers together, that's, mm -hmm. that's also you kind of going, this is how lighting lives inside this design or sound lives inside it and, and, and where the AV fits in relation to it, like all the planning for that. Yes, just, yeah. yeah. So it's to, to mostly to make all the, um, uh, the mechanics of everything uh, fit together. Uh, so the, the designers will 100% be... Um, come up with the creative element of it and they will select what they want. Um, but they'll come to us and sort of say, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Uh, how much will that cost? Or can we do it for the budget that's available? Or is this even available? And, uh, and sometimes we just need to be able to wrangle uh, the real estate that's up in the air to make everything fit. Um, so and provide the power for it, if yes, necessary. Yes, and, and make sure it all will work And it's work funny, isn't it? Because we live in this strange industry because it's an illusion that we're creating. Mm, mm -hmm. It's not real. It doesn't necessarily have to function in a real way. No, that's right. And so there is a little bit more give than what you would, what you would typically have to deal with in, say, an architectural space yes. where it has to survive real people standing yes. on things and yes, moving absolutely. things. So yep. there's, so there's a layer of invention that happens in your space yes. that we never really get to see much of, but that actually sometimes strings together some very dodgy ideas. <laughs> no, dodgy in that you kind of go, yep. oh, I'd love this to happen. Yep. You kind of go, yeah, we can give the illusion of that happening yes. as yep. opposed to it's really got to happen. Yes. It's like raining on stage. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's exactly the the example that came to mind then was uh, one of our plays from last year, uh, which was in the Cremorne. And I sort of thought of that because it was a big set that went into the Cremorne. <laughs> but it was a challenge and uh, it was really good. But uh, it was a show where it rained. There was, it was the interior of an apartment and there were these large windows and outside of the windows we had rain. And... Beyond the windows was the next door apartments and the set designer, uh, so Dale Ferguson, the way that he uh, gave that sense of depth was to scale down, you know, the next door apartments. So it gave that forced perspective mm -hmm. that it was actually further away than what it really was. So the space between the windows and the next door apartments was only about less than a metre. How did you scale the rain then? Oh, we didn't scale the rain. The rain was, was very much behind the window, okay. but it was just the, the apartments beyond were Well, it's interesting, isn't smaller. it? Sometimes that little bit of real estate that's slightly visible to the audience is kind of more expensive than the whole set to pull off things like that sometimes. <laughs> By the time you've got all, all of that equipment, you think mm. you'd have to have light back there to be able to see it, and then you want yep. lighting effects, obviously, yes. of light coming through those yes. windows. Then the rain rig has got to be in yes. there. So you've got water and electricity yes. and visual stuff there. Yep. So, like, the, the the management of that little bit of square footage was probably more dense. It, than... was, uh, it was an interesting one because you're right. There was, there was lights above, there were lights to the side. Uh, there were strobes, there were speakers, there were spot speakers that then went in from the set, there was a motorised blind. It was just everything that you could imagine. And then it rained and then in it that rained. space. Uh, yeah. And then you've got to get the water out somehow. Yes. Where does the water go? Yes. And then you never know until... like It's that funny thing, isn't it? A design happens and you all plan for these things, but then you never know until you're actually in there, there yeah. what you're dealing with. Yeah. So invariably, somewhere in, in your, uh, your part of the office, I think there must be a stack of towels. <laughs> Just because you just never know. Sometimes you're going to need a towel, a handy yeah. towel, because the water just doesn't exactly. go where you planned. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that show was a, it was a great success. It was all perfectly safe. It functioned very well. But it is that thing that until you're in the space and can fine-tune everything, um, you just don't know exactly how it's going to turn out.
But you build up experience over years, don't you? Oh, yes, of course. Well, you kind of yeah. go, well, I did something like that and yep. this kind of worked, or I did this and that definitely didn't work. Yes, yes. And that's, we certainly tap into the experience of our workshop. So yeah. when it comes to rain or, or walls bleeding or, or whatever it is with a set, chances are they've, chances are they've, they've done got it a rig before. or they've done it before. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and is that lovely? That lovely moment, I suppose. It's the beautiful side of what you call institutional knowledge, mm. where someone can, with one sentence, can save you months of pain. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's that. It is that funny thing, I suppose. That's why the theatre companies actually exist, is mm. to be a hive of that knowledge, so that every time you're doing a show, you're not going from scratch. Mm. You're not going, oh, how do we put lights in the air? Yes. And you kind of yeah. go, no, like. And I remember doing my first show and having to figure out how to do that yes, yeah. because I wasn't working with people that could tell me how. Yeah. So I suppose there's this huge bank of knowledge about how to do things that yeah. lives in this building. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's that fa fascinating thing of like new technologies that are happening. And over the last 10 years, our ability to work in the digital space has grown, like with projections. Mm. Yes. It used to be once every long time that project, the projection would be in show and now you're kind of budgeting for it almost in every show and it's a surprise when there are none. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I mean, projection, it is becoming more and more um, available, integrated, uh, clever as well. Um, but I do like that there's still some restraint as to whether projection is right for a show. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's one of the things that when I go to a show and, and, and I see that there's projection, I'm usually a little bit harsh on it, very, very critical because it is um, because you are portraying something that can be quite literal. It can be very artistic, don't get me wrong, uh, but um, because it can be so sharp and, and so literal and so flat, I sometimes wonder, you know, could that have been achieved with a suggestion through a lighting effect and then let the brain connect those dots. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Because the imagination of, of the theatre-goer is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is a thing that is becoming more and more, and it's great when it's used it's well. It's great when it's... Yeah, it yeah. is great. But it's always... It's funny, as a director, you kind of go... It's hard to use projection mm. in clever ways mm. without the support of a, a larger company. Because yes. just the technical layer that it adds to the show, yes. you need more people working on it if you're going to deliver it in time. Absolutely. It takes a different layer in the preparation, yep. different costs, of yep. course. But, but also the technology is changing quite significantly. Too. Yes, absolutely. It used to be almost impossible just because the rendering <laughs> time, you couldn't make a decision in tech yes, and yeah. get it before the next tech session. Yep. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, so the, the horsepower of, of being able to turn over... Uh, changes has certainly um, made it easier. Um, but at the same time, people's expectations of the... Well, that's, that is the trade-off, is, yeah. that, is that with the faster turnarounds, it, does that also then mean that people can change their mind more often? And so, you know, if you had to make one decision and you had a certain amount of time... <laughs> people, to directors, <laughs> you, can say it, you can say it, directors. <laughs> OK, sure. Um, or is it a thing that because you could do it 20 times... Uh, faster, does that mean... You make 20 decisions and exactly. you're less decisive. Yeah. No, it is, it is true. It is true. And it's, it is that squeeze time. It's the strange thing about the, the bigger the works, you think the more time you'd have to do mm. it, but we don't. We do small and large works in exactly the same time container. Yes. And then there's this squeeze point of getting it into the theatre, yes. which is very restricted yes. because we don't like theatres to be, to be dark <laughs> no. because when they're dark... <laughs> 
there is no income. Yep. And this is what we're learning to an extreme degree at the moment. But uh, So we try to make tech as, as short as possible, only, mm. only a few days, three or four days, and we try to do as many tech sessions as we can jam in where we've got all the lights and signs working. But we really want to get to seeing audience. Yes, absolutely. Um, which is kind of ridiculous for some of these huge shows. It is, it is. And, I mean, it, it, we've done shows where it's been uh, a musical with a band and revolving stages and massive lighting rigs. And in the, it's same the same time, time as a little two-hander on a flat stage exactly. with, you know, just plain lights. Exactly. And it doesn't so. mean they're more or less beautiful or great no, in their own ways. No. It's just the fact that we deal with them the same way it can be a bit of a mind bend. Yes. Especially as a director, you get a job and you go, oh, wow, I mean, that's, that's a lot of work to pull that off in that time. And then yeah. other ones, you're like, yeah, okay, that's yeah. fine. That being said, though, from a technical standpoint, or I guess from the, the, the role and the position that, that I serve here, uh, when we do get to those bigger shows, then it's normally a joint effort. So myself and our technical manager, Dan Madison, mm-hmm. both on a show. Yeah. And then when we get to the smaller ones where it's more manageable to just have one person, we split yeah. off and... and do our separate shows. Um, But, I mean, the way that the year breaks up, we sit down and we plan out who's doing which show when uh, and, you know, and also try and get some leave (laughs) throughout the year. Oh, yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) That old chestnut. Um, And it usually works out that we've got a couple of big shows that we might both be on and then we've got about a 50-50 split of... Dan shows and Lachlan shows. It's fun when you've got a big show and you've got all hands on deck trying to make it work. Yes. That's, that is a lot of fun. For yeah. the, it can be for the audience and for us. The, the risk is huge. Yep. And I just have to say, the number of cables is huge. <laughs> you know, just the bigger the show, the more yep. cables you're the actually dealing with. The more stuff there is. The yes. more stuff. Yep. When I moved from making my own independent shows into mm. companies, it was actually the amount of cabling. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you see it just everywhere, and all of them hanging on the walls, yep. and people, and they were so organised. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go, "That's just the scale." Yes, it's like build the sets, like more timber. Yes. there's just more of everything, Absolutely. and then the management of more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But what what's been the biggest shift for you over, say, the last? Well, actually, no, I'm going to have to backtrack to understand yep. that. When did? How did you get into this? Uh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. That story. Uh, so my uh, my journey. Uh, within the theatre realm is that uh, after I left school, I went to university, um, studied uh, technical production, uh, worked within the theatre world for a couple of years um, while I was studying and a little bit after that, then uh, stumbled my way into engineering. So I had a a massive shift. Right. And that just so happened to be because at that time um, there was a desperate need for drafting. So preparation of plans mm-hmm. um, and the engineering industry was at the point that if you could hold a pencil, you could have a job. It was that strap. Okay. And so I knew my way around uh, CAD drafting programs mm-hmm. because I'd been getting into, I wanted to do lighting design. Oh, so and you so, didn't need plans. Yeah, so you were I could, already there. Yeah, I was, I was familiar with the software. I knew how to prepare plans. Um, and so that gave me a foot in the door with engineering. Anyway, long story short, um, I stuck with engineering and drafting for a time, went back and did study, became a civil designer, worked in civil design for years and years and years, uh, and then reached, finally reached a point that I thought, no, if, if you want to make a change, I had a set of circumstances that meant that the risk was manageable the risk of working in theatre? Of, of working in theatre and if it all fell in a heap, 
and totally didn't work out or, or whatever the case might be, that that's okay, dust myself off, I could always go back to engineering. Okay. And sure. so that's, I, I just reached a point and uh, so But you, then you I wanted got my... to have the fun that is theatre because it's exactly. a bit nuts, exactly. the fun. <laughs> like, it I is. mean, it is that funny thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a kind of like guilty secret really because it's, it, people always think it must be fun. Mm. Yeah, it's awful a lot of the time <laughs> and crazy and busy and there's not enough resource and there's not yeah. enough people and we drive, like everybody overworks and is underpaid. Yes. But then it's a lot of fun. It's the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you can get to a point where you can manage the risk, yep. the fun is great. It, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and there was no guarantee that it was ever going to, you know, I was going to be able to stick it out or, or stay where I was or anything like that. So I've been incredibly fortunate um, and I love the role that I do. I love the job that I have. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just, it's the greatest fun. Even though we do the same thing over, because mm-hmm. right, we put plays on every few weeks, we create another thing and yes, then it runs yep. for an audience, we yep. pack it all up. Um, do you find it's different? Oh, every show is different. Yeah. Absolutely. So the main structure of it is the same. So from a timing point of view or a scheduling point of view, you know, we've got a set amount of rehearsal weeks. And then, you know, our rule of thumb is that when we start in the theatre for uh, the technical elements, and it's usually a thing called a pre-rig, which is like a day before... The sneaky day before. The yeah. sneaky day before, yes. <laughs> uh, so we start with the pre-rig and then our, the rule of thumb that I use uh, is uh, we do a whole string of 14-hour days and then 10 days later we open the show, you know. Yep. But it's all the details that go into every show. Um, we're sure, you know, some stuff will be the same as what we've done on every other show, uh, but there will always be something that's a little bit new or a little bit different. The bit that I take away from shows or the bit that I really enjoy about shows is not necessarily um, the, the technical aspects uh, and whether they're, they're new or, or fancy or, or different. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of fun to do, but I get a lot of energy from seeing what the designers do. Yeah. So, if a, you know, if a show has got a really lush lighting design or a really impactful um, sound design or just a really awesome projection design... Mm-hmm. They're the sorts of things that I get the real joy and the real excitement out of. I just help facilitate the designers to be able to get there. It's interesting, (laughs) isn't it? Because when you're looking at really great design, Mm -hmm. when you're there for that point where it first starts to hit the audience, you can feel what that what that layer of the story is doing. Oh, absolutely! And it's quite amazing. As you said, that thing of a really, really well managed lighting of yep. that world, yes. you can feel it having an emotional impact on people. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it's usually having first audience, so the first preview, yeah. is um, it's, yeah, it's, it's great for the cast, having an audience, obviously, but it's also, you know, the, the cast feed off the audience, but then everything sort of is in sync. And, I mean, the creative yeah. team will go back and, you know, they'll, they'll tweak and change right yeah. the way up until opening. Yeah. Hopefully but, not beyond it. But that first time you're seeing it, <laughs> up until then it's all speculation. Exactly. And then exactly. you get that first preview and good or bad, mm. you get the information yes. about what the next few days are going to be. Exactly. But you can also sense there's some sort of instinct that you all get, we all get, that it's, we can make it work. Mm. There's yes, something absolutely. in that where you kind of go, oh, yeah, we've got this. Yep. And with all the tweaking and all the extra bits and pieces and stuff, it makes it better. Yes. But in that first preview is where you know if you've actually got a show or not. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way to know it beforehand. No, 
Because I've seen great things in the rehearsal room, I've made great things in the rehearsal room that actually I haven't managed to carry through into the space. Yeah. There's a mysterious thing. So once you get to that first preview, that's when you know. And it's a little bit like um, extreme sports, a first preview, especially, <laughs> on a, especially on a new play. Yes. Because you really don't know. Mm. Like it's one thing you know, like your Shakespeare, your Noel Coward, you know that yeah. they're great plays. Yes. We might not be doing a great production of it, but mm. it's a great play. Yes. And uh, so you're measuring yourself against the history of the play, but with a new play, mm. no one knows. Exactly. And that's just, yeah, I, like, I, I forget to breathe and I end yes. up a little bit shaky at the end yeah, of the first preview. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, I guess by the time you get to that point, if, if the narrative is strong... Yeah, and but you just don't know. You just don't know. That's, you that's think true. it's strong, you think it's clear, you think it matters, yep. you believe in it, <laughs> but will anyone else? Oh, yeah, does anyone else share it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And once that's shared and it's hitting people, and you know, mm. they're the first people on the planet getting to see it. Mm. And you go, that's, I, it's a little bit addictive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, New York, so they're a lot of fun, but there is an anxiety that goes with it. Oh, completely. And, you know, after having a series of 14-hour days, it's just, everyone's just like, yeah, how will this go? It's that interesting thing, isn't it, when you kind of go, that, that funny thing of the downtime, the downtime and the fast time in theatre, mm. those 14-hour days, when you came back into the theatre, you mm. know what you were getting yourself into. Oh, absolutely. But you also knew because of your earlier experiences that, that you could do it. Yes. Some people find that they're, they're just not built for those 14-hour days. And even though they're only like, there's like 10 of them in a row. Yeah. You can't, and some people go, you can just go, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel, I'll get through this, and I actually like working in that space. Some people mm. learn that they don't. Yeah. Or yeah. that they're not at their best in that time. Yeah, So absolutely. it's this weird collection of people in the theatre who are actually at their best yes. in those extreme hours, yep. working in a group, solving problem yep. spaces. Yes. Which seem like torture to other people. <laughs> but you kind of True. go, that's the good bit. Yes. That's the bit we're all getting to. Yes. Well, thankfully, I mean... By the time we get to opening night, um, then, you know, we get a break. So we get oh, some yeah. recuperation get time, time, which is great. Then we get downtime <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, it takes a while before something gears we'll up to that again. Yeah. yeah. But it is that funny thing of, of early on, mm. as you do things, mm. as you make shows. And when yeah. did you, when, like, did you start in high school? Uh, yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. I was doing, doing drama in, in high school up yeah. until a point. And I was also doing drama outside of, like, I was doing private drama yeah. tuition. Um, so I did that for a point, and then later in in high school, you know, I focused on the uh, the maths and science yeah. strain. And it wasn't until I actually got to university and uh, found out about this avenue, this this path that could be taken. And I was just like, "That's what I enjoyed doing. Why am I not doing that?" Yeah. And then did that through uni, and then yeah, for whatever just, reason, it's funny just though, it, it off seems again. obvious that it's a job, though. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Because you know, it know. doesn't come across that, mostly because, you know, there was that comment, isn't there, where people that say, you look like you're having a great time out there. Mm. They see the actors, they see all of that, yeah. but they don't necessarily think of that as work. Yes. So when we're told we have to find a job and do all these things, work yeah. is this other serious thing. Yeah. And if you've loved doing theatre, you don't necessarily associate it with, that could be my work. Yes. Um, and when you do find your way towards that, you say, why didn't someone tell me? <laughs> but it's not something that we talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, we just trust that what the outside of what we do is so attractive, it, it, it's like moths to a flame. Yes. You know, people yeah. will find their way to it. Yeah. But it is interesting, that thing of the different pathways and how we end up 
you know, whereas I look at you with like with your engineering and I think, mm. hmm, I wonder how we can push that. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the space going, well, maybe. <laughs> easy now, easy now. <laughs> and now, were you like involved in the conversations that started with this space? Uh, with so, the, renovation yeah, the renovation of the, the theatre. Uh, well, the bulk of the design work um, from our end, from the yeah. client end, uh, was actually managed by, uh, by Daniel and mm-hmm. by uh, Julian Messer, who was our operations manager at the time. So they had um, the majority of the attending meetings and overseeing. Um, and then there were other parts of the design that they brought me into as well. Yeah, okay. Because it sort of grew into a thing that needed multiple people working on, on different aspects of it. So um, uh, I didn't have as much involvement as those guys, um, but certainly uh, the house light system uh, and the blues system that we've got, uh, that was uh, an in-house design that um, they left with me to look after. Uh, so that was interesting and challenging because being a tension net venue that we've got here... Um, I was going to explain tension net is when you come to the Bill Brown Theatre, you look up and there'll be a net above your head that is actually a structural surface and people can walk around on it and we can hang lights from it, we can ha- hang lights above it, we can yeah. do all sorts of things, but it's like a, a false floor, if you like. It, it looks really scary and it kind of is the first time you walk <laughs> on it, but it's very safe. Yes, it, yeah, it's it, much like a tennis racket. That's yeah. oh, yeah, probably right. the best analogy um, that you can walk on. And uh, But to support the, the tension net, um, aside, uh, apart from the perimeter beam where everything gets pulled out to, uh, we've got all the, the droppers um, that then go down and there's a plate that, or a series of plates that sandwich the net mm-hmm. uh, to be able to support it. And off those droppers, they're, they're multi-purpose. So they're the same gauge of steel pipe that allows us to do all the other rigging that we hang lights off. Yeah. Um, and then under the plates, we decided, well, that's an opportunity to be able to then have the house lights. So uh-huh. that then became the mounting position for most of the house lights that we've got in here. Okay. And then... Working within a budget, we then had to work out, okay, well, this is the coverage that we need and this is a, the luminosity that we're trying to achieve. And uh, it was a pretty nerve-wracking time because it's not a, a cheap um, piece of infrastructure to put in the house lighting system. But if you think about it, on some level, it's it's... It might be. It's often something that's left till quite late in a design. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it can be. It can be. But it's actually the first contact that people have with the light in the storytell. And so mm. if you don't have a flexible system, mm. so far as its ability to be bright and dim and then yes. safe enough, yep. all of that sort of you kind of, as a director going to some places, you kind of go, oh, these house lights are really just not flexible enough to do yes. the thing, to set the mood yep. for the audience. Yep. And one of the parts that was really important for us is that because uh, Daniel and I have that intimate knowledge of, of how, you know, the theatre space and auditoriums work and exactly what we wanted to have illuminated when with the house light mm-hmm. system, uh, it was better for us to be able to design it because then we knew exactly what it was that we were going to be getting. Mm-hmm. And so we were super selective about <laughs> about certain fixture types and the colour temperature and, and all those bits and pieces and, and wayfinding through aisles and, and so forth. Um, so, yeah, there was there was a bit of that and a lot of discussion with architects and, and making bespoke things because the, for the house lighting and the blues, there was nothing that was... The blues are the, are the the lights that we turn on in between when people need to see but it needs to be not so bright that 
it distracts the audience. So blue is code for it's not really light. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so backstage, blue doesn't spill and reflect so far. So backstage will have blue lights, so the actors can walk around in that. So, mm. uh, so it's its own system. And often you'll hear you'll hear an actor backstage when you first move into the theatre. You'll hear an actor backstage saying, "I can't see. Can we get some blues back here?" Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, that's what they're needing is some blue light. Yes. Yeah. So whilst you know whilst the products are off the shelf products. Um, certainly integrating them into this space uh, was a very bespoke solution. Um, So that was one of the parts that I was involved with uh, in here. Um, A lot of, as well as that, a lot of um, bouncing ideas. Uh, So Daniel would come up with the concept for how the cable infrastructure, for instance, um, all the permanent technical cable infrastructure that we've got in here, uh, he'd come up with a concept for it and then he'd often pass it over to me and just to say, what do you think? Well, this is what we're thinking here. Well, or what's, you know, what about this distribution? It's another brain to kind of go, oh, I can see, oh, there'd be a problem with that, wouldn't there? Exactly, you know, exactly, we yeah. do, And that's kind of how a lot of, a lot of things happen in the theatre mm. because you've got these, these things that are not, it's not like you can go to Bunnings and get a, a Dropbox. No. <laughs> a Dropbox is like a, a Dropbox is a, a tool for dropping something into the middle of the stage. Mm. It's got to sit there for a while. It's got yep. to have some sort of release mechanism that can be operated by someone yes. uh, so that something can fall on a specific space at a specific time. Mm. And it used to be old school theatre trick was just literally it was a box and a string hung on a hinge and you would just pull it and it would tip out whatever was in it. Yeah, sometimes it's still that. And sometimes <laughs> it's still that, you know, because we can do it with solenoids and yeah, all sorts all of things sorts and of things. Ha- yep. have it all very high tech these days. Yep. But sometimes just a box and a string is still... How it works. Yep. So it goes from very old, like what you deal with insofar as information, goes mm. from very old tools yes. to sometimes very new ones where you kind of go, it's just this new th- new piece of lighting equipment out of China yes. that might be able to do that. Yep. But sometimes these the old theatre tricks... Sometimes they're the best. Well, definitely. You know, I worked on a I worked on a rake stage once. We were touring a rake stage, mm-hmm. and we had my whole set was on on wheels, of course. Mm. And there was the <laughs> the old old technical manager there. Mm. Just rolled his eyes, said, "It's fine." Just walked in and threw a rope down. Oh yes, of course. Stops the wheel running. Yep, yep. And I was, I, it was just this piece of old magic. Mm. And I, ever since then, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not afraid of rakes anymore. <laughs> I can have wheels wherever I like. Yep. <laughs> Um, there's also what I've found over the years across the country mm. is an exchange of ideas. Yeah. We all know what's been done in the other companies. Yeah. And you pick up the phone and you say, hey, when you did that, yes. how did you, there's an, a, a trade, if you like, yes. in good ideas yes. that are kind of like trade secrets. Yes, yes. or, hey, we, um, we know you guys made a snow machine. Uh, how did you do, do that? that? <laughs> or... Uh, could we borrow it or, or hire it from you? Did you make a snow machine? No, we didn't. Oh, right. No, but there have been other places, as an example, you know, uh, that sort of stuff where and you know, the technology... And when someone pulls off a piece of effect mm. and mm. has made it, mm. word spreads quite quickly. It does. <laughs> yeah. There was, I mean, and it goes all the way up to the, the high end mm. with the secret about Aladdin's... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Carpet. Yeah. Yes, the magic I went carpet. and saw it before knowing. Uh, yeah. And then I found out, someone tells me, I was like... That, because I couldn't see the strings. Right. And I know the old technologies. I couldn't see. <laughs> no, but what was amazing is you know the... Tr- you, and that's the magic. Mm. I suppose that's the magic for me of the big theatre makers. Like mm. the, why Disney's great and why yeah. I will go and see Harry Potter yeah. is because when you've got, like, the big commercial companies investing money into yeah. the tricks, if you yep. like, yep. Um, I don't want to know. Yes. I want to be like regular audience. Exactly. So yep. not seeing... 
the lines or Stop. anything like yeah. that. It's kind of awesome because yeah. you go, it could be that mechanism. Mechanism? No, that couldn't work because of that. And you see all yep. the little theatre people in there going, not like actually just watching. Yeah, and it's one of the things that I've had to train myself out of doing, uh, having such a theatre tech approach to things, is that when I'm an audience member, I, I give myself about five minutes and try and cap it at that. Of one, once I've sat down and the house lights have gone out, no more than five minutes of me peering around and <laughs> sussing out exactly what's going on. Because yeah. if, if I haven't got it sorted out in, in those five minutes, then I'm just not going to enjoy the show. And that's also what I want to be able to do is... is you just want to enjoy a show, Exactly, yeah. yeah. But it's also funny, isn't it? I also find I like strategies for disguising the tricks so that mm. people can't see things coming. Yes. Yeah, where you kind of go, oh, that was clever. I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and working with designers and working... Like, that. sometimes those problem solves. Yes. You kind of go, oh, yeah, that's good. No one will see that coming because surprise is such a huge part of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And pulling yeah. off that. Yes, lighting of gauzes and so forth to do those tricky oh, little gauze. reveals. Yeah. yeah, gauze is like this fabric... Um, if you have, it, it looks solid until you have a light behind it, at which mm. point you can see through it. And it's a really old theatre trick. It is, yeah. But it's still a good one. Yeah. I think, I think my favourite gauze uh, reveal that we've done in the last couple of years anyway was um, when Queensland Theatre, uh, when we put on Jasper Jones, which was the same production that uh, MTC did. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a reveal of um, The Hanging. And so the the gauze would come down and it was a, a scenic painted gauze um, of the forest with a couple of cutouts and the boys would, you know, run. Uh, they went upstage, uh, the revolve was happening, the gauze came in, but when by the time they came downstage, they were able to go through the cutouts, so they went through the gauze, yeah. did acting in the very downstage part. Everything upstage of the gauze went dark, at which point... Um, uh, Mel was, was lifted up in her harness and then tracked onto stage at, at height um, and was behind the gauze. And uh, anyone that's not familiar with, with the story is that they make a discovery of a girl who's been hanged. And, um, and so she was in harness. It was all safe, um, fake news. And then there was the reveal uh, that went with this tremendous sound effect and it was really shocking because you weren't necessarily expecting... You kind of... You'd anticipate it, and if you knew the story, you knew what was coming up, but it was just so shocking, this really starkly lit human being who was hanging at quite a height, um, you know, with, with a noose, with a stage noose. And the, the, the bit that just made it that little bit extra eerie was when uh, Nick went through another cutout in the gauze and touched her foot... And then the corpse would start getting this this swing, and it was just super realistic. <laughs> so, Ooh, but right. it was it was a fantastic reveal, and mm. it was one of those moments that because the audience were drawn to the the, the blocking yeah. the the action that was happening downstage. I mean, it was dark enough upstage yeah. of the gauze for all this to happen anyway. But your attention is just drawn to that yeah. point, and then eventually it was just bam, there you are. And gauze. Gauze. Which we've been using <laughs> since the 19th century. Exactly, yep. Yeah. Of all of the shows that you've worked on, do you mm. have favourites in, like, in your memory of ones that you've liked for maybe reasons that other people might not Ooh, have? Yeah, okay, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, 
did, I guess from a technical standpoint, and this is just me being completely selfish about it, from a technical standpoint, uh, my favourite show is probably Twelfth Night yeah. that we did here. And that was one of our big shows where yeah. it was Daniel and I both working on it. Uh, it was a Revolve yeah. show, Revolving Stage. Um, it had a large cast. It had a band on stage as well. So the drummer was on, they were far enough upstage, so the drummer wasn't on the revolving stage. That wasn't going to work yeah. in terms of um, uh, time because mm-hmm. you've got a, a moving element mm-hmm. that's got a lot of acoustic energy, so it would get out of time with the PA. Yeah, right. So the, the drummer was kept static, but the rest of the band were on the revolve. And so once you've got a revolve, then you need to be able to get all of the signal and power and everything like that on and off of the Revolve. Some can be done wirelessly, some certainly can't be done wirelessly. <laughs> so there was a lot of uh, a lot of firsts that came out of doing that. Um, a lot of camera work, a lot of monitors. There was a baby grand piano that was just filled with equipment. Um, some pretty interesting <laughs> photos from, from that one. But uh, as well as that, the, the set was pretty incredible and had uh, a... A lot. I'll just say a lot, a lot. of set electrics on it. Um, and most of the set electrics, the power was uh, was done through the Revolve, of course. Um, but then the data side, a lot of that was done wirelessly. So there was so much, <laughs> so much going on with that. And um, we didn't have a lot of furniture to be able to hide things. So it was it was a real challenge, but it worked. And it, it came off. So, And it's true, isn't it? We spend a lot of time trying to hide how we do things. Yes. Uh, but when it works, what you manage to pull off for people mm. is that thing of wonder. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's an, awful lot, of, there's an awful, lot of, awful lot of duct tape involved in yeah. wonder. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, I mean, that particular show was just... Yeah. The baby grand piano was hiding spot number one. For the audio stuff, mostly. Right. And then there was a, a daybed, uh, which was a shallow thing. Uh, but that was it. That was hiding spot number two, and that's all we had. Okay. <laughs> so, right. And it revolved? And the whole thing spun around. So you got, had to see all sides of it? Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. Was, yep. It was all, all on show. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yep. Because that's the kind of amazing thing with proscenium work. Mm. You know, if things are saying, staying static, yes. you can hide a lot of things behind a chair. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit more to, to work with. But when it's, when it's on a revolve, you get to see all sides. It's like naked theatre, really. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's an interesting thing, a revolve, because you, a revolve's a, such an expensive piece of equipment. As mm. a young director, mm. you don't get to work with them. Mm. Yes. Uh, you can assist on shows and kind of get to understand how they go. Mm. But, or it, but there's always that first time you actually have a revolve and you have to figure out how the damn things work insofar yeah. as meaning. Yep. Uh, and then once they can be very addictive. They can. <laughs> because they solve various story time problems yes. really easily. Yep. In a transition, there's nothing more... There's nothing easier than a revolve, really. Mm, yep. If you can justify the move, you can change time and space really easily. Yes. It's such a beautiful fiction thing. Suddenly we're out of it or we can be in a transition. Yep. 
it can do it can do magic things, but they're quite they are quite addictive to the point where if you there are some stories you read and you're like, well, I wouldn't do it unless I could do a revolve because yeah. I maybe because I'm too, too lazy to think <laughs> about how to do it without a revolve. Yeah. But then sometimes they're actually written with that kind of technology in mind. Yeah. And the flow is dependent on a big piece of technology like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, they facilitate um, scene changes quite well. Yeah. You know, you can have something that, you know, just naturally spins 180 into something mm -hmm. and a piece of furniture is struck or set or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, if you didn't have the revolve, you still need to be able to get from one scene to another scene. Yeah. So then, you know... Oh, no, I know, they're great. Yeah. But it's... they're kind of like, there's, there's this, I don't know, it's passive-aggressive development of directors in theatre mm. where you like you don't you have to earn your revolve <laughs> your first revolve I yep. only ever like use little little ones not really big ones yep. so you know at some point I'll use a really big revolve really really <laughs> large one or you know, get complicated and use a, a donut revolve or a donut revolve <laughs> a donut revolve sure mm -hmm. but I, I mean I've used revolves small enough to almost be called a lazy Susan uh -huh. you know and I love that turning effect I really do but like yeah. that but it becomes quite epic when there's a big revolve yeah like this and the speed that you can pick up yes yeah absolutely I mean the um yeah when you start getting into the large platforms yeah. um it's there's a lot of safety consideration yeah. that goes into into how and all of that works that would be a large part of the space that you work in as well because again yeah. that that it's um it's sort of hand in hand with uh with staging yeah. uh so with our workshop guys so they've got the infrastructure it falls within their realm in terms of it's part of the set uh and um uh so they've you know they've got the kit and the motors and everything like that uh but it still then falls into us in terms of you know we've we've got a bit of a hand in, in, you know, setting up the safety mechanisms for it um, and, you know, helping out to make sure that all the systems are, are working for that, as well as then getting all the, uh, getting all the cabling laid. So where we do have um, something like a Jasper Jones or a Twelfth Night, um, I guess, the, well, to explain the process uh, in the theatre, because um, a revolve necessitates having depth to the floor, uh, we don't have any basement uh, that can sink down. You know, mm -hmm. all the, the stages that we deal with in Brisbane are fixed, so we have to work our way up. So it's about a 300 mil depth to be able to facilitate having that revolve platform. And then once you're beyond the revolve, of course, then you need the stage to extend. So you're sort of 300 mil high out to the wings. Um, so when that goes into the theatre... And they'll start laying the, the casters so the revolve can spin uh, and then there'll be the central pivot point, which is where we get all our cabling to go up through a slippering uh, and then the motors are on the outside to drive the, the mm -hmm. disc um, and then they'll build the staging pieces around that. But once the frame's in place and the frame all bolts together, it's all in parts, uh, before they put the, the, the skin down mm -hmm. uh, and then put the show deck down, uh, we need to get in, we need to do cabling, and that is just an entire... Uh, what if you get the cabling wrong? Well, do you have to no, you pull just... it all apart and go again? Well, we do. That's part of our preparation work. So yeah. we'll spend at least a day going through mapping out, uh, or more time in advance of that, but about a day in the workshop of just going through taping the path that all the cables are going to go, right. and then we put in cable tie mounts so that it all just gets zip-tied in the theatre. Uh, and uh, often we have to go overcasters, so we need to make sure that the cables aren't going to ever hit anything because that just cannot happen. 
uh, <laughs> ever. Uh, and so we do all of that planning so that once we're in the theatre, there's a person that knows what's going to happen and then they just give the instructions of, you know, this lot of cabling, which is all, normally already pre-loomed, mm-hmm. so it's all mm-hmm. pre-packaged together. It just has to be laid out and zip-tied. And it has to be done that quickly because as as soon as we start doing the first zip tie, you've probably got a staging person that's coming through wanting to put the floor down. Right. So there's there's just no time to be solving that in the theatre. It's all got to be pre-planned. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's the speed that it works at. Yep, that's the speed it works at. Yep. I'm getting slightly sick as the tears are talking about it. But, <laughs> but I, okay. miss, I miss that sick feeling in my stomach. I want that back. <laughs> but that's, if, if we're doing our job right, then that's the way, that's the way it, it happens. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there are... Then there are things like trapdoors mm-hmm. under revolves and things like that, so that sometimes people will disappear through a revolve floor. Have you ever done one of those? No. Yeah, neither no. have I. That's petrifying because <laughs> then you've got to stop the revolve at exactly the right point yeah, for it to yes. all be open for everything to go through. Yeah, that'd, yeah. that'd be a pretty fine tolerance depending on, on how big the trap is below. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quite scary. Yeah, Especially yeah. Especially because... when there are people, human people going down through yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah, and revolves don't necessarily always stop where you want them to. No, no. You can always recover it. You can always make them go to where you need them to. But um... No, it is, but it is, <laughs> it is interesting just the layers of difficulty that we mm. add in mm. at various, in various plays. Mm. Sometimes it's like you just want that one play in the year where everything's still and it's very, very simple. I sometimes go, I just want to play with a, with a couch <laughs> just so people can sit on a couch. Yep. Is that so, you know, because plays have changed yeah. in the last sort of 20 years. Mm. Absolutely. The sorts of stories that we tell and how we tell them. Yeah. Um, what have been the biggest changes from your point of view, sort of industrially speaking? Um, in terms of technology yeah, or maybe, just the Or maybe industry? just as a theatre maker, what's been your experience of what, what's changed in your, well, certainly, from your point of view? I mean, technology has certainly come along uh, in leaps and bounds. So the, the way that lighting and sound and projection and automation integrate nowadays is, is much more network-based. So it's almost uh, well, network-based in the same way that uh, computer systems work. Mm-hmm. So everything is a lot more integrated in that regard uh, now, which has its positives in terms of um, everything can talk to each other quite easily and you can have that, that moment where um, the lighting and the sound and, and the projection all happen perfectly instantaneously rather than the human element of... I kind of... I miss a little go? bit of the human. I'm, <laughs> I'm old enough where I kind of... When I was, when I was little, I was, a, I, I was the lighting operator for a lot of things mm. and I miss the control, mm. the timing yeah. and, being, and the grace in, yeah. so, in a, I suppose, the performance of the operator's hand matching mm. it to the performance on the night. Yep. But now, of course, you can have the magic. You can have inst- that instantaneous, instant, yes. real, instant timing. Yes, yeah. but I, I know what you mean in terms of just having that that human element and the tactility of it, and yeah, well, the so satisfaction of being able to hit go exactly when you need to. Well, there is <laughs> so. that, but then there's also, and, and you know, as I suppose, a big thing that's shifted for me is over the last ten years, especially, has mm. been the sound design mm. getting more filmic. Mm. The cueing of that, how yes. that actually works, and how that how that's timed into lights and and also the video. Yes. So how that uh, that's become, I suppose, audience and designers have been playing a little bit more in that film space. Yeah. And underscoring. Exactly. Yes. So underscoring is is a big one, and um, it's so within the the sound designer realm, 
or umbrella. Um, a lot of sound designers are also composers, and so they. Uh, I, it, it all depends on what the show calls for, of course, um, but they will compose music for it, and it might be underscoring a certain part. Uh, and then you've got your just straight up, you know, more effect type things, which mm-hmm. are you know realistic or they might be abstracted for a particular. Uh, mood or feeling uh, but yeah I, I totally I understand perfectly where you're coming from because I, I get that same sense that it is more like watching uh, a movie and, and so you're sort of guided through you know layers of emotion, some of the emotional manipulation exactly. of film music that's yes. actually starting to be there but it's also that question too of timing because of course an actor's performance mm. will shift yes. lengthwise. Yes. And now we have these scores that are quite connected to performance and the need to be able to cue with. Yes. And you think back to when um, a fade used to be able to happen mm. with the stage manager yeah. fading it down manually slowly, fading, ma- yeah. manually fading it to go with the performance yeah. of the actor on that particular yeah. night. Mm. And we're mimicking something that we used to do quite easily. Yes. You know, time the fade to the to those lines. Go yes. on that and time it. Yeah. You hand that to the stage manager. And I, I suppose some stage managers, I think, have have really missed the nuance that they can bring. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the the means for being able to achieve that same sort of effect are still are still there. Uh, it's yeah. just that they're programmed in, and so. Um, but the uh, flexibility on any given night isn't necessarily exactly. there in the I mean, same way that yeah, we would, once, yeah. once you've hit the button, you're kind of committed to it running out there unless you, you know, step back and, and it's noticeable um, or it can yeah. be noticeable. Um, you, you've kind of committed. So you want to make sure that if, if that's when you're fading, that's, that that's, is when yeah. you're fading. Oh, look, it's always <laughs> so. interesting. The more technology you add into a play... Mm the more vulnerable you're making it to not being able to do the play if the technology fails on a given night. Yes. Yeah. It's always that funny thing of like, well, if it fell out at this point, we could get through to the end of the play. That would yep. be fine. But, you know, with things like AVQs, mm. video, video moments in the plays, like yeah. if your story's relying on those moments, yeah. it can't move forward with it unless it works. Exactly. And, I mean, yeah. we all know about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with the nights when the car didn't fly. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. pretty much, you know if that's what you've gone to see. I mean, I yeah. imagine like Aladdin, if the, the rug didn't fly. Uh, exactly. If the rug doesn't yeah. fly, you don't do the show, whereas yeah. it used to be you could do the show with pretty much just a light on it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, to, as much as possible, we, we try and mitigate those sorts yeah. of scenarios from happening. So we'll implement backup systems where we can. And uh, certainly from a network point of view, in the audio sense, um, there's uh, what we call a primary and secondary network, so that if one fell over, uh, then you know it would pick up on on the second one. But there will always be something like you know a power supply that will blow and up, it, and, and it's you interesting. Can't it goes it. back to those very early conversations, doesn't it, with the mm. designers when they come in with those ideas, and then they go, "Oh, and there's a live feed." That's my like least favorite moment <laughs> of any design presentation. There's a live feed where there's a camera that's filming something actually happening live mm. on stage, and I always wonder whether, and it's always a question that I will ask, can we fake the live feed Mm. so that we're not actually relying on a live projection at that particular point of real information? Because if you're doing something like this on a large stage, no one can actually see it. But if you've got a camera on it, we could film that earlier. Yeah. Here's what I prepared earlier. And save a lot of actually money and time and fear Mm. that the whole thing will fall over if it doesn't work on a given night. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, yes, So absolutely. there are sometimes yeah. it's the problem solve, isn't it, of how do we make it actually more reliable? Yes, yeah, and I mean particularly if it's the same, um, if it's the same movement, if it's the same blocking, then yeah. that's fine. Um, yeah, if it was something that was reliant upon, you know, a variable, then sure, then you'd it have has to, to be live. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's really that thing of you, you know in those early design conversations what you're setting yourself up for and mm. how you're going to have to work to pull the thing off, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and so then it gets into that thing of, you know, we, we do that research and development if, if that's needed mm -hmm. or we just have to research what's out there or how much is that going to cost and... Can um, we do it? Can we do it? And sometimes it's beyond our means. Yeah, absolutely. And then you kind and of so, go, you look forward to a time when it'll, there'll be a solve? Well, uh, uh, it, there could be, well, often there's a good reason why it's beyond our means and the show will still be a good show. We'll just find a different That's way of true. doing it. We'll find a different way to do <laughs> so, it. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, there was funny, I was working on one, and this is a, quite a practical solve or something, but someone had to pull a, a rope on that side pulling something else up and then we realised oh, yeah. we d actually didn't have to connect it up. No, no, no. Yeah. No, just as long as the other thing goes when this one yeah. goes. <laughs> so, yes, we had to cue it, but it was very old school, two people yeah, pulling absolutely. on the thing, and yeah. actually we never had to connect it all the way across no, the no, thing because no. actually that would have been quite a lot of money in rope. Yep. Yeah, it had to go around the building and that sort of stuff for it to be pulled off. So, yeah, yeah and I, I suppose part of the joy for me is actually in finding those solves, Yeah. finding those ways that it's actually way easier and way cheaper and way kind of more theatre magical. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, it, usually, sometimes it's the oldest tricks that, that can be the most magical. Um, our first our first show that we had in the renovated space here was Nearer the Gods. Uh, it was a new work, uh, David Williamson uh, play, uh, Sam Strong um, directed it, Renee Mulder did the design, David Walters was the lighting design. And uh, there, was a time, there was a part in the show um, where there was the aha moment uh, and it needed to have this sense of the starry night and just hugeness and... Well, the universe, The right? universe, yeah. exactly. And so built into the set flats, uh, which, which were very flat to the, the venue walls, uh, we had fibre optics, which to see it, you'd, like walking in, you just couldn't see it. Yeah. You know, you just don't see it at all. Uh, and there was a lot of labour involved in getting the fibre optics Because you right. have to get a little one to each of them. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, yep, individual strands. And uh, we also had a, a door panel that moved that had fibre optics in it as, oh. as well. So uh, that <laughs> took a little bit of solving. Um, but we had all the fibre optics uh, fitted to all of the wall. The floor was a, a reflective tarquette, yeah. so all the dots then reflected off the floor. And then we had the entire tension net area. So effectively, the, all of the so had overstage... had it in all the, all, uh, over the whole tension net? Well, it wasn't fibre optics up there. It was, um, it was bud lighting, um, yeah. two colour temperatures broken up into four zones. So, um, and it was all, you know, spaced uh, on a, a custom spacing. Custom being you on your hands and knees. As in, no, as in, as in we had it manufactured, uh, manufactured with a custom spacing between each oh, okay. um, bud light. And then the actual placement on the net was, was a little bit like, oh, there's light here, so we need to shuffle these out of the way. Yeah. And then that sat on the net. And you didn't, I mean, when you come in, the house lights are up, it's black above the it. net, you can't see it. Uh, and so when the moment happened in that show, it was pretty special. And, you know, fibre optics is it's 
not a particularly new technology at all. No. <laughs> but it was... But it's it pretty. Was, it that was must just, have been yeah. a really beautiful moment. It was. And every, every single person that saw it, the, their first reaction Aww. was all the same, which was, yeah, exactly. It was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. I mean, I'd seen it about eight times by, yeah, <laughs> by the sure. time I saw it. But come on. You've, you've t- tested it. You've done it. You've yeah. been like, you know, you know like, like the making it work. Yeah. But then the first time you heard your audience do that, yeah. you know that that's what you'd done. Yep. It's pretty special, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When you can actually elicit sound from an audience mm-hmm. in a moment, mm-hmm. you kind of go, yeah, we did that. Yeah. Yeah, that may, like, and what it takes to make moments happen. And I suppose a play is really just a series of, like, um, moments which, mm. when added together, yeah. have an impact on people yeah. that they don't ever forget. And you know when you've made them. You also know when you haven't. But when you <laughs> have made them, it's really, it is really special. And I think that's what I'm missing at the moment. Mm. I've got a decided lack of special in my, in my <laughs> life at the moment. And I realise, actually, how much of that comes from telling stories. Yeah. And, and feeling that impact that you have on people. Mm-hmm. You know, hearing the, the conversations afterwards about the bits that they like the most. Or, yeah. You know, like what they really, like, what in, uh, the bits that they didn't like, that they didn't work, that weren't clear. Like, yeah. all of that interaction around the stories that yep. we make. Yep. I'm really missing that. Yeah. I'm missing the conversations about the, th- the, way, the things to solve. Yes. You know, cause sometimes there'll just be a problem in the office. You'll be like, oh, I'm working on the sound. Don't know how this is going to go. Yep. But then there's that moment when you've got an idea and you can say to a few people, what if we did this and this and this? Mm. And, and everybody goes, that'll work. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly, and once something's solved, you're on to the next problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the, the, the engine of that is kind of amazing in yeah. the company. And yep. so without a lot of problems to solve, we've just got a lot of energy with not like, enough problems to put it into. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's one of the best parts of my job yeah. is, uh, is the problem solving. Yeah. So, yeah, some random prop or piece of furniture that has to have a thing that spins and lights up and carries on and off. With no, or we know. have to hide the blood in it. Another one. Can we carve it out yeah, and yep. actually plug it up and then have the blood there yes. secreted for a later moment? Exactly, yeah. 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 All those yeah. fun things. Yeah. It's a very strange job that we have. But it's it when it works, it's quite amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. I've, as as long as I can can keep at it and keep doing it, I'll keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm going to yeah. have more more engineering questions for you as we go <laughs> on because you know in this new space, the lovely thing about a new theatre, and I mean you've been here for the opening of it and the beginnings mm. of it, is starting to see what it can do. Yeah. Where we can go with the audience. Yep. On a story level, yep. and it's just at the beginning of that journey as a, as a theatre. Yeah. So, so more problems to solve, mm-hmm, bigger mm-hmm. problems, more. Can't wait. <laughs> well, awesome. thank you for this time. Well, no worries. Thank you very much. Um, and thank you all for joining us for this strange snippet of time where we actually have time to be in in-depth conversations. I'm, I'm treasuring the opportunity to get to know the company and I'm, I hope you're enjoying the journey with me. Thanks so much for listening to Quality Time. Please rate and review it and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at QLD Theatre. You can visit our website, queenslandtheatre.com.au to sign up to our e-news and learn more about the stories we'll be sharing next. We hope to see you at the theatre again soon. Bye!